When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Great to be with you on a Friday. It's Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Man, oh man, you've braved through today with the blizzard in eastern Nebraska, or at least the blizzard warning, and uh, no fun outside. But you know what you need in a blizzard? You need a Eisenhower beaver jacket or a coyote fur coat. Barry Switzer's got both. And uh, the bootleggers, boy, we're going to talk some college football and that jump from college football to the NFL in about an hour 15. Excited to spend a couple of segments with Barry Switzer, uh, legendary football coach. He'll be with us on a Friday edition of Hale Varsity. Bill Dolman, it's, it's Dolman's birthday. Did you get him anything, Elijah? I did not, other than you know the Facebook, hey, happy birthday, Wild Bill. Uh, no, I didn't. Uh, this is the first time hearing today was his birthday. Somebody must have, there must have been an error in communication. We've, what we've had here is a, a failure to communicate. Uh-huh. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it's Bill's birthday, so we'll have to come up with some sort of birthday tribute slash, hey, Bill, you're, you're, you still look great. I do have a half a package of uh, Fairbury brand hot dogs in the fridge. I could go run home and grab them during a break. And- See, we'll just say that we got half a we have a we, we got hungry we got half a bag of fairberry <laughs> brand hot dogs we're going to be sending you in hippieville i'm sure he'd love that yeah i mean <laughs> they, they, they'd be fine uh derek peterson the other pride of oklahoma coming up in about 20 minutes numbers to get in 466-3776-4676-800-825-5865 email Chris at HaleVarsity.com, and give us a follow. Find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio at Herbal Essence. That's Elijah Herbal, Chris Schmidt. So we are loaded up. Uh, plenty to react to with the official news of, of Urban Meyer going to Jacksonville. Will it work? Won't it work? You know, what's your prediction on that? And we'll have some of Urban's comments today from his press conference. I'm pretty fascinated. People can roll their eyes at Urban. Uh, you talk to some coaches, they kind of, you know, give a side eye a little bit to to Urban. There's mad respect for him, and he's uber talented, and he's hired very well, and he's he's been killer at surrounding himself with incredible assistants. But he's also had to to kind of climb his way up. I mean, Utah wasn't a, a destination spot when he took that over. Uh, prior to that, Bowling Green. I mean, when was the last time a team won 10 games in the MAC, right? And now that's more common. You see a lot of really talented coaches from the MAC make a jump to a Power 5 league, and, and Campbell's an example of that for sure. Fleck is an example of that. 
And some don't work out, too. I mean, you look at Illinois' hiring of the guy that's now selling uh, used snowblower parts, okay? Uh, what's Becker, Becton, the, the old Illinois coach? The, that, the guy before Lovey Smith? Yeah, the guy before Lovey. Like that, that guy was a, a tire fire. Anywho, <laughs> so it, it doesn't always work out, but it can work out, is what I'm saying from the Mac. So uh, we'll, we'll get some thoughts from Urban Meyer and, and just he pretty much said, here's, here's what I'm thinking. Here's my challenge. And the, uh, the Jacksonville media, some of the national media uh, were wondering, you know, what are you doing? Or this is going to be fun to watch. So we'll, we'll hear from Urban Meyer. Big news today is Ben Staley makes it nine. Nine returning starters for the Nebraska defense. That is more good news. And uh, the reality is this. Nebraska's defense will face offenses that are number 5, 6, and 11 in scoring to kick off the 2021 season. Buffalo, Ohio State, Oklahoma are three of those five games where their offenses are putting up 40 points, uh, averaging almost 500 yards a game, and almost seven yards a play. Uh, A guy that's taken, no pun intended, maybe a little bit, taking it on the chin with his time here in Lincoln has been Eric Chenander. And all he has done is get the defense to get better each season. Okay. Uh, defense wasn't great in 18. Defense was okay in 19. What they were not good at was stopping the run. Okay. Were they good at stopping the run? They were okay against the Illinois the, the Illinois game in the fourth quarter of the Minnesota game. No. All right. Eric Chenander's defense had minimal help this year. Okay. He didn't. He didn't have help in special teams. He didn't have help on the offense. And he sure as hell didn't have help with the offense turning the football over as many times as they did at, at the 40-yard line, at midfield, or in their own territory. And what's he got? He's got guys that have been developed, like Casey Rogers, like a Ty Robinson. What does he have at linebacker? Well, he has... Uh, uh, Reimer, and he's got Honus back. He's got Henrich that's a young pup that he recruited, they recruited. And you've got your secondary back, three-fourths of that back. Cam Taylor-Britt says, man, I'm coming back to play for you, Chins. Of course, Travis Fisher is very important as well, as is Coach Rude, as is Dawson, as is Coach T. Okay, I, I think the question here is uh, what is is likely for this Nebraska defense in 2021? Uh, Brett emails in Chris at HaleVarsity.com. The offense was good at making me stop watching Nebraska football. So so there's Brett in, in the middle of a blizzard off the top rope. So nine of the top ten tacklers return. And you have a number of sixth-year seniors. You're seeing guys play fast. I saw that with the linebackers. I saw that with guys knowing where to be on the defensive line. You saw Cam Taylor Britt. You saw Deontay Williams, right? You saw guys in that secondary fly to the football, make tackles. And listen, is a defense going to be 09 Sue? No. Is it going to be 2010 Levante, David, and crew? No. Is it going to be 99 Mike Brown, Ralph Brown, 
Uh, Vandenbosch, no. Is it going to be 90? No. Okay. That's not what it's going to be. It's a different world of football. I'm not making excuses. You hold somebody to 21 points or 17 points, you had a hell of a day. Look at Northwestern. Right, I think the the one team that put up the most points on Northwestern this year, you had uh, Michigan State score twenty three, right? Shockingly, they scored twenty three points, and some of that was off turnovers. And then what Ohio State win by? What was that score? Like twenty seven to ten, or I don't know. They they covered is the point. That's what's important about North. Twenty two to ten. Okay, so it was a weird score. Right, it was twelve points. Um. So right now you can win and get to a, a Big Ten championship with a defense. And the, the real question is this. Will Nebraska's defense be able to do enough next year with all this coming back, with JoJo back, with Stilly back, with Honus back, with Cam Taylor Britt back, with guys on every level of the defense Will they be able to do enough to help out an offense if it doesn't improve from where it's at, to help out a special teams unit? I mean, you've got old guys, and this isn't a knock, but you've got old guys. What's the, what's the term? Get old and stay old? Absolutely. Everyone's going to nod their head in the Big Ten. That's how you're going to be a good basketball team in the Big Ten. That's how you're going to be a good football team. You're experienced and your upper, upper uh, level of of experience is going to translate into plays on the field. Here's what you don't have issues with with the Nebraska defense. And it's been proven by all these dudes that came back. They love playing for Coach Chenander. Okay? They believe in him. They believe in the progress they're making. They believe in what they're doing. And they trust him. They're tough. When you look at the Nebraska football team from when it started under the Frost era to now, would you say they're tough? I absolutely think they're a tough football team. Now, mentally, there's a pucker factor when things get tight. Offensively, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to point the finger at that side of the ball. Defensively, they show up nine times out of ten with their lunch pail. You just need complimentary football. You need non-penalty, let's pull our hair out football from the offense and special teams. I mean, think of the defense got help in special teams and got some help on offense. Uh, Elijah, I'm not nuts here, but Nebraska spent a lot of time on the field defensively. Yeah, but whenever they, we as Nebraska fans were like, okay, defense, we need to stop here. I, I know they're driving. We need to hold them to a field goal. It, it felt like the defense delivered more often. I they think did. they did that more times than I think they got stops and they got stops just when you were ready to write them off. Mm-hmm. I look at the Illinois game and I look at the Minnesota game. Those are the two games that are two flip games that turns this thing five to three instead of three to five. Okay. And and there were there were moments in that game. I mean, Nebraska got just punched in the face defensively that was an awful game that i mean people are still pissed about that game that it's okay you can have a bad game as a as a unit as a defense you can go into a game with a bad game plan right you can just you can just well it was execution and everyone put their freaking feet up that week beat penn state we're gonna kill Illinois. yeah no didn't happen that way you can have a a bad game and the other side of the football needs to bail you out you haven't had that 
You didn't have that last year. You didn't have that two years ago because of how yo-yo-y the offense has been. Now, is this defense going to be able to, to live up to the hype? It's okay to like think, okay, the defense, look, you dropped what you were allowing, yards per carry. And, I, dude, I'm too old school, and we'll talk to Coach Switzer about this, but I still think four and a half yards per carry is still a sin. <laughs> That's college football today. It is. I think the best rushing defense in the country probably still allowed three yards. That's just how wide open and crazy football is. It's a new football. It's a new normal where 400 yards used to be great. Now it's a half by Alabama, okay, at the most elite level. Defensively, though, they have, they have gone to work against the run. They've been good against Iowa. They've been good against Northwestern. They were pretty decent against Minnesota until offense didn't do anything with it and here come on out on the field. So, yeah, I think there's going to be ample excitement for the defense. Can they live up to it? Here's the real question. What are you going to get from the offense? What are you going to get from the offense on the line, at quarterback, at receiver, at running back, at play call, at game plan. That's it. That's going to make 2021 a season to be able to, to swing through and you take a step forward and you quiet out some of the question marks or you're, you're five and seven or worse again with a unit that's gotten better defensively and a continued unit that sputtered offensively. Either you didn't change, you didn't adapt, or you didn't play to your strengths. That's going to be your million-dollar question. And we'll have to wait for the answer. Yeah, and I can only hope that through spring practice and through fall camp that this offense gets decent reps against this highly experienced and very good defense that Nebraska's going to have next year. The more reps they get against that defense, the better they're going to get. So I can only hope that they make strides uh, when they're facing that number one defense and through spring and through uh, summer and through fall camp, uh, as opposed to, you know, t- uh, having, making the same mistakes as last year whenever they go up against an experienced defense. And, and I hope that they can take it. Uh, and now that they have a good unit that they can go up against uh, on that defensive side, that they can learn from that defense. And that just as a team, one good side of the ball can make everyone better. You know, you're kind of looking at comparables, right? You go look at homes. You go try and sell your home. What's the what's the neighborhood home look like? Um, and what what's our budget? I mean, I, I look at it where in Iowa's kind of where you're trying to get. They're always top two. It feels like in the Big Ten West, they're in every game. Iowa ran for two twenty five a year or a game, I should say. And while they still cracked the century mark, Nebraska held them well below their average. They're better at setting the edge. They're better at tackling. You saw lots of red and white around ball carriers, not against Illinois. Okay, you didn't. You didn't see everybody rally to the football against Illinois. But every other game, man, there was three guys around one ball carrier. They rallied to the football very well. You didn't see Nebraska get rocked by the jet sweep that often. Nebraska's lateral quickness is really much better. They've recruited good speed, but you've got the big dogs up there able to set the edge, okay? And, again, the yards per carry, I mean, it's down a full yard and a half in the Big Ten. And I really like what Honus can do. 
you have a top 40 defense. It's not a top 20 defense. It's not a top 10 defense. But as bad as the defense has been the last five years, right? The 2016 unit was okay, pretty decent until they weren't. Other than that, though, it's been a mess. It's been an absolute mess defensively. I mean, you have the Diaco years, you have the transition, and they got better as the year went on in 18. 19 wasn't great. You had people running it uh, at will. I mean, look at Minnesota did to you. This year was better, and it's it's pretty much proof statistically, and this defense has got to be able to be a little bit better in the red zone, and they were decent this year. But it really kind of comes down to getting help from the offense in their in the red zone. Getting help in the offense with turnovers, not handing them out. Right? Like it's LSD at a dead show. But good for this. Stilly uh, is kind of the exclamation point. We'll talk some more football. Barry Switzer's on the way. Uh, Derek Peterson's next on Hale Varsity. And we're back. Fellas, I think we could listen to the radio. On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Thanks for hanging out. Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. An hour away from Barry Switzer, we say hi to the pride of Oklahoma. And uh, the man you hear with the Varsity Club podcast with Hale Varsity and Herdad Media. Outstanding writer with HaleVarsity.com and Magazine. We love catching up with Derek Peterson. Dr. Petey HV is where you follow him on Twitter. Derek, what's up, man? How are you? You, uh, uh, How was the cheesecake? Let me say that for the birthday last weekend. It was fantastic. Did Wonderful. you do strawberry or raspberry? Um, it was uh, an Oreo cheesecake flavor. Ah. Strike one and two. It was awesome. No, that's good. That's good. That's good. Don't, don't put... Don't put raspberry on my cheesecake. I don't. I don't. I don't want raspberry coolie on my cheesecake. That's fine. Um, my wife will eat it then. That's fine. All, anything raspberry or pumpkin spice is in our cupboard, so uh, we'll do it that way. So I got to ask you, what happens first? Because I love the title of your your podcast here: uh, an NFL wideout or a, a downhill runner. Talk to me about development with those two uh, those two position rooms. Um, well. So the uh, the podcast that I had this week was just talking to two guys that coached um, Marquis Step and Samori Touré, and, and Step was described as a downhill runner that left USC because he wanted to to find a, a better um, offensive fit. And as a as a downhill runner, as a guy that came out of a two back system and I back system in high school, Nebraska presented that opportunity for him. Um, and then Toure is uh, was has been described to me by multiple people as as an NFL guy already. If the FCS level had played um, in the fall instead of instead of moving it to spring, he might already be going to the NFL. Have, have already declared for the NFL draft. Um, he's an FCS All American. Um, in, in in my uh, I wrote about the tight ends this week too. And in that piece, I, I, in touching on Thomas Fedoni, I kind of made the comment. I was like, at at one point. Sooner or later, Nebraska's run of these these really high profile skill position guys um, with with loads of potential getting here and then not fulfilling that potential 
at some point that run comes to an end. That's the, I don't think that's a thing that is just going to, to be a year after year occurrence with Scott Frost. I mean, I, I guess I could be wrong, but I, I still think um, that their ability to develop players um, is not what we have seen in the last three seasons. Um, and, and really, too, with a guy like Austin Allen, um, he's he's their best example of a guy that got into this system um, with Frost and, and then became a much better player. Mm-hmm. He was really good last year. As far as, as who can be an NFL guy, um, I mean, Omar Manning, if he plays, right, like that was, that was what he was supposed to be. Um, that was what everybody said he looked like already. So, you know, I, I don't really know kind of what's what's going on with him, but um, I, I think the expectation is still, or, or, or the, at the very least, the hope is still that if he's on the field um, and me there, that he can he can be that kind of player. And then Samori, um, six three, I mean, he was he was a beast at the FCS mm-hmm. level, and so if if he's got the kind of the physical tools to just to translate that to to the Big Ten, um, he can. I, you know, I don't. I don't think that this is a kind of I know a situation with with the sure. guy that they brought in. Derek Peterson's with us here on Hale Varsity Radio, and Derek, with these two transfers, Step and Toure, um, through these conversations, did you get any any comparisons for these guys? I mean, Step, I only watched a limited amount of uh, of his time at USC, and he kind of reminded me of Dedrick Mills. I'm not sure if that's accurate to you, Dustin, how he likes to run downhill. Uh, and with Torrey, I don't really know because he's going up against FCS competition, but do you have any comparisons for these guys, what Nebraska fans could could maybe see these guys? Just just tell us he's the next team. Randy Moss. Just just go there. <laughs> well, he, he mossed, no, he mossed know, some he dudes in, in an FCS playoff game. Um, so, I, no, I, did, I didn't get comparisons. Um, the The kind of Comparison to Dedrick Mills that a lot of people have drawn um, is is interesting. Similar types of players. Um, he was used in a kind of a short yardage red zone situation um, at USC, which is you know kind of what everybody expected Dedrick to do. The running back position is is weird here. I don't know. I don't know what they want from it. I don't know what they want in the lead guy. Um, so we'll we'll see. I didn't get any comparisons. I was just told that um, he, he's a he's a downhill runner. Um, he's a physical guy. He's a guy that, that craves contact, but he's also a guy that um, you know ha- has a little bit of deceptive quickness to him um, just because he is that kind of a physical runner, and you don't necessarily expect those guys to be shifty or to be explosive, but um, the way he was described to me is, is – He's got both. So, so you're saying maybe um, like Derrick Henry? I think he's – you know who he like? You guys may remember this. Brandon Jackson. I think he kind of runs like Brandon Jackson. The old running back for Nebraska that played for Green Bay during, right. during the yeah. 05. Does that I mean, Derek, that, that's not too far back, is it? No. Oh, well, I mean, no, that's not. I was 10. I'm just not. I'm not. I'm not one for. Uh, Pass comparisons. Sorry if, that, sorry if that made you feel old. Yeah. No, I, I, you know what? I, I, I'm good, brother. Just I don't care. In general. <laughs> no, I was I was 10. <laughs> Uh, what what kind of hype are you throwing on the defense with with nine starters back? What's what's a what's a fair expectation for them? I mean, how how good do they have to be? I guess is the best way to put it for twenty twenty one. Assuming things are still a mess offensively, let's hope they're not. If you're a Nebraska fan, let's hope special teams get ironed out. But 
the defense is is the one part of the the team that's made some pretty nice forward progress here. Yeah, I think you can't. I, I think you can't say hype because you have to say, um, like what what can they do without help from the offense or special teams, mm-hmm. right? Like they're, they're they're it's not complimentary football that they're playing right now, um, and until that changes, like the expectation with the defense should just be to continue what they're doing. Um, they've been on an upward trajectory under Schnander for the last three seasons. They've been getting better um, in, in most statistical metrics, most statistical benchmarks. Um, and, and then, like, too, like, you know, sometimes, um, you know, you talk about improvement from a statistical standpoint, and people are like, okay, well, we don't see it on the field. Um, the offense is, is kind of like that a little bit. The defense is like, okay, there's statistical improvement here across the board, but it also shows up on Saturdays when people just watch them play. Mm-hmm. Um, they've, they've got nine of 11 starters back. Um, they've got nine of their top 10 tacklers back. I think the number floating around Twitter was 17 of their top 20 um, players in terms of snap getters in, in 2020. Um, they should kind of hold form. Um, I, don't, I don't know what more you can expect from them because they can't score Right, you can't expect your defense to score. So I don't know what more you can you can really expect from them um, if the offense is going to continue to to kind of struggle and 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 occasionally put them in really tough spots. Um, one thing that you one area of improvement that you want to see is you want to see them create some more turnovers. Seven and eight games isn't enough, um, and, and they were kind of you know it's kind of a, a step backwards from from where they were when they had um, Lamar Jackson out there who was who was kind of pestering people with. DiCaprio and and like you know you look at their turnover numbers and and it was it was a little bit of of um, luck at play where they just they, they were able to create opportunities they just weren't able to to secure um, takeaways I think there was like eight or nine fumbles that opponents had this season and Nebraska only recovered one of them which is wild um, so you know from a turnover standpoint uh, you hope that they improve and, and you think that they can improve. Um, but from an expectation standpoint, I think it just has to be like, hey, just keep doing what you're doing, keep getting better, um, keep you know, being the the side of the ball that keeps us in football games, which is which is what they were this season. They were the side of the ball that kept Nebraska in games. Derek, uh, at the top of the hour, we were talking a little bit about Northwestern um, because their defense was so good this year. It felt like if their offense could put up about 20 points in a game, somewhere in that 20 to 30 point range, that they put themselves in a pretty good chance uh, to win. Uh, with this Nebraska team next year, how many points do you think the offense is going to have to score just to, to keep the, the the team in a game? I mean, you, you'd expect their defense is going to do pretty well somewhere in the 20s or low 30s. Does that sound about right? Uh, they're, yeah, they're around 29 this year, um, which is which is pretty good, but offensively they, they scored 23 a game, which was like one of, oh, I don't remember the exact year, um, but it was it was the worst scoring um, offense that Nebraska's had since the 60s, um, the late 60s, I think. So, like, I mean, I mean their defense is not as good as Northwestern's defense is. Um, I, I really like Nebraska's defense, but Northwestern's defense is legitimately one of the two or three best defenses in the country last year. Um, and they were also really good the year before when their offense was garbage. Um, so I, I think like like the magic number for Nebraska has to be around thirty offensively. Um, I, I just don't see any way that um, their defense is gonna in this league against the teams that they play 
with the number of snaps that they play. I don't see any way that their defense is going to, you know, average 20 points allowed in a season. Um, I just don't think that that's, I don't think that's a realistic um, expectation for them. And 23 points as an offense is, is just not getting it done. It can't be acceptable. I, I think they've got to be closer to 30. And if they're closer to 30, I mean, like, Everybody's scoring like 35 a game, man. I mean, everybody scores 23 a game. It was 23 a game this year, giving up 29 a game, and they were in every game but the Ohio State game and the Illinois game, right? So six of eight, and you were getting outscored on on the average by um, nearly a touchdown a game. So, like, if 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 you can just get it to like you're scoring 30 and they're scoring 28 on average, like it might not look great, but it'll certainly feel better. That's about right. Derek Peterson's with us. HailVarsity.com and magazine. Get his podcast downloaded. Get it as part of your rotation. The Varsity Club podcast drops about every Friday in uh, Spotify, iTunes, and uh, Google Plays, where you find that. The Heard At Media platform. Awesome podcast for you to select from. Derek, have an awesome weekend, man. Uh, avoid this cold. And go get yourself a Brooklyn jersey, all right? <laughs> no. <laughs> Had to sneak that one in. Had to sneak that one in. Maybe an Isaiah Roby hey, jersey? Well, you can get it. I'm sure you've already got a Roby jersey, I would think. Yes? Um, no. If he makes it through the year on the roster, I will, uh, I will spend $120 to get one. There we go. <laughs> there are benchmarks to hit. Derek, be good, brother. Take care. Thanks for the time. Thanks, man. <laughs> He's got to make it through the year. <laughs> That's fair. That's a good point. I, I put Isaiah Roby on my fantasy team uh, for basketball, and he hasn't been living up to expectations. He had a great first game. Yeah, and uh, he had a good game last time out, but like he, he shouldn't have a spot on my roster, but he's there for my heart. You know? Brad Fairberry, Bill Dolman, four years with the Rockets, TV play-by-play. Well, I'm sure we'll go off on James Harden. Look forward to that. We'll uh, hear from Urban Meyer next. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for spending time. Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Barry Switzer coming up here in about 40 minutes. Talk with uh, the ball coach, uh, Hall of Famer. Get his take on Urban to Jacksonville. 466-3776-466-3776-800-825-5865. Email chris at halevarsity.com. Find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio and at Herbal Essence for Elijah. So let's just throw this out there. What do you want to see happen? Not what do you think happens? What do you want to see happen in Jacksonville? And as a football fan, you're, you're kind of in one camp or the other. There, there may be some Buckeye gray for you on Urban Meyer. Some may think you, he's just smug and tough to deal with. True. Some may go, you know what? Dude's pretty brilliant, and there's a lot of wow factor with him. He's been at some not-so-sexy jobs and won, and he's not taken a bad big job ever. Okay, I mean, your job is not to screw it up, but you had some some turmoil going on, right? I mean, you had some turmoil going on with uh, with Florida, as in Ron Zook was eight and five. okay, and was a great recruiter. 
but they were losing. You know, eight and five uh, was the number. Zucker wasn't wasn't the answer. So you walked into a loaded situation at Florida. Did well, sputtered, had health issues. Go away for a little bit. Oh, look, there's tattoo gate going on in Columbus. Jim Tressel had just played for a national championship, right? I think you beat Ohio State for one of the national championships with Tebow in Florida. Memory serves in 06 or 07. So you took over Tressel and Ohio State, and they're right there anyway at 10 and 2 every year and a championship. And you kill it. You you are phenomenal. So what is going to happen? What do you want to happen with Jacksonville? Bryce, longtime listener of, of ESPN Lincoln, is the biggest Jacksonville fan I know. Always on Twitter. And I, I kind of smile at Jacksonville. And my dear friend, pharmacist Jeff and, and Elijah, this hurts you. Because I remember Mark Brunel then. Like there weren't there aren't many upsets in the NFL, but that was a true upset with the um, the Mile High Salute Squad that that ended up beating Green Bay and Atlanta in the Super Bowl for Elway's back to back championships. Well, the the year before they finally won the Super Bowl, they were right there. They were the team. They were the favorite to get it done, and and Jacksonville stuns them at the old mile high. Remember watching that like it was yesterday because I couldn't believe what I was watching. I was like, oh, damn, that's that's Mark Brunel, and he did that, and he made me cry when I was like 10 years old in, in Lincoln because he did it for, for Washington. So I look at this situation for Urban, and he's he's got a lot of control. He's got a lot of setup going on. I mean, we're talking $100 million in cap room. We're talking 11 picks, the top pick overall. And, and here is Summer Urban Meyer. I, what I would like to see, I would like to see him do well. I would like to see Jacksonville matter. I would like to see Jacksonville not continue to have to go to London to play. I'd like to see Trevor Lawrence go to a spot where he can have a good career. I'd like to see Devon Ozigbo get some carries if you're a Nebraska fan. And Jayville, I mean, they had drafted okay. I mean, they went three, four years removed from an AFC championship game. So, yeah, bring it on. Let let Urban Meyer have some success and see if he can make the adaptation. We'll hear from Barry Switzer on that challenge coming up. Here is Urban Meyer on coming back to football. And this is why we're talking to Coach Switzer later, because he made the jump from college to the NFL. He followed Jimmy Johnson, right? And, and Barry will tell us about that. Urban has been leaning on Jimmy Johnson because Elijah, you brought it up yesterday and I didn't really make the, I mean, you got Pete Carroll, Switzer and Jimmy Johnson, guys that have won championships in college and done well in the NFL. You've got a lot of college coaches that, that made the jump that haven't. And Chip Kelly's the most recent. And that's too bad because Chip Kelly was doing some okay things in Philly. It's not like they didn't go to the playoffs with him. I think he just kind of pissed off his guys in the locker room. That's the juggling act. But here's here is uh, here's Urban Meyer with his press conference today, talking about his relationship with Jimmy Johnson and just how he's reached out to him. A very good friend over the years in our time at Fox together. He was a guy that uh, I leaned on very heavily during the television 
uh, for the last two years. But then I have I had a few phone calls with him recently. He will be a resource for me. He will uh, uh, be a guy that I'll, I'll speak to quite uh, frequently. And I think there is a perception out there. He told me that, you know, you have to be much different than you are in college than you have to be in uh, uh, professional football. But he made clear that players want to win. And players, you know, they want to win. They, they understand their value, their brand, and their lifestyle improves if you win. And they want to be around winners. So um, I'm very enthusiastic after speaking with them. Uh, I've also spoke to several of my very close friends in the head coach that are head coaches in the NFL. And, uh, but Jimmy Johnson was fantastic, and he'll be a guy I lean on quite frequently. More from Irv Meyer, his presser today. Uh, the impact, how big of an impact, how important was it to where you went? They had the top pick in the draft. Uh, huge. huge. Um, I think Shad and the organization is positioned, and it's not by accident. Um, uh, Shad got very involved in the entire uh, roster, et cetera, and I think it's primed. It's primed to... Uh, put together a good team. I think, Gene, the, you know, we know each other and, and people know me that I, you know, I, I am not going to jump into a situation where I don't believe we can win. I'm not, I won't do that. And I think everything is here in play. Now we got to do it. Uh, first of all, I have to get a great staff, not a good staff, a great staff. And when people are recommending, you know, I've had multitude of uh, people calling and my comment is save the uh, recommendation unless that you feel that person is elite in all areas because that's what Jacksonville deserves and that's what we're going to have on our staff. So uh, I, I, the players and, and putting together a team that, you know, they want to win. I know that. So he's pretty serious about it. I, I've seen the, the name Charlie Strong, his former coordinator at Florida. Uh, he's, a, he's an assistant and analyst for Bama in Saban. And he may, it sounds like he's going to be the linebackers coach for Urban Meyer at Jacksonville. Health and, and losing. Both questions, how do you handle losing? You don't lose very often. What about your health concerns? Well, if you're asking me if I'm going to enjoy losing, I, I, I think we all know the answer to that. Um, I, I'm, I'm older. I have uh, something I'm going to be very conscientious of. It's something I'm going to watch very closely. I will be in the head coach, but I'm going to hire great coaches that are going to be expected to do their job. I'm not going to be running around like a nut on the practice field. And, you know, those days are gone. I, I'm certainly going to – I know what it's supposed to look like. And I want to be very demanding of everyone. But uh, it's something I'm going to watch very closely. But it's something that, you know, I had that surgery in 2014 that really helped things. Uh, but uh, it's just something I'm going to watch very closely. We'll have a couple more thoughts from Urban Meyer uh, next segment. Bill Dolman coming up next hour. Barry Switzer on the way. We'll wind down hour one at Hale Varsity. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for spending time. Hale Varsity Radio on a Friday. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbel. So we'll have a couple more thoughts from Urban Meyer as he was introduced and had a Zoom session with the media. First, so a reminder, and Urban's moved a lot in his life. Uh, it'd be a less stressful situation had he used West Blue Realty. WestBlueRealty.com is uh, going to get get you taken care of with residential homes in Lincoln and surrounding communities. And uh, two guys you need to know is Tom Luby and Kelly Hofschneider. 
Give them a shout if you're looking to move in 2021. Tom Luby, call him at 402-540-3768. Or Kelly Hofschneider, Kelly's there to help and does a great job as well at 402-202-2312. It pays to work with West Blue, westblueRealty.com. And uh, get an appointment scheduled today at 1120 K Street, Suite 200. More from Urban Meyer as he is set and ready to go in Jayville. This uh, Urban talking a little bit more in depth about uh, his process here. And I, and I liked this answer because his wheels got turning, man. He's not a guy as good as he was in the booth as an analyst on Fox Sunday or in the Big Ten or sitting with Pizzo. The guy's a coach. He's competitive. And he really did some pretty cool research. He talks about how he kicked the tires about making the jump to the NFL. You know, something I started last year, I interviewed a bunch of our players, former players that are in the NFL or recently out, and I took notes. I was just intrigued. You know, why does this organization win? Why does this not? Or do they fail to win? And um, it was uh, the, the research was very strong. It was something I was not surprised at the results, you know, because play, players will tell you, you know, the players, players know. You know, sometimes you talk to coaches, and I'm not sure they, they all know. I, I don't know. I mean, but players are the one that play the game. And I really value the guys that I have in the NFL. And we spent, I mean, hours upon hours I did work on this. And I spoke to Shot about that. And um, that was our conversation at the Super Bowl. You know, uh, we really had a nice conversation at the Super Bowl a year ago. And then we uh, just recently had a very in-depth conversation for many, many hours. That was many, many hours. And Khan looks like a Bond villain with that stash. I'll just say that. Uh, some guys can pull off the handlebar stash. Raleigh Fingers was one. Mr. Khan, you're all good, brother. I mean, you got lots of money. You have your own NFL team, but it's a weird-looking stash I saw today. That's all I'm going to say. Last thought from Urban here. Do we have time? We have time? Okay. Urban here on the, the biggest challenge in the NFL for him. Winning. You know, you're, you're in a league that is designed to be 500. You're talking about, you know, Coach Belichick, one of my uh, great friends and a, a person I've always admired. You know, he's the best of all time. And, you know, he, you're talking about a 60-some percent winnings percentage. You're talking about this built, the league is built to be 500. And that's, I've not, co- I, you know, I coached at Utah where we were picked to lose most of our games. I've coached at Bowling Green where we're picked to lose most of our games. And then, Florida and Ohio State, you're picked to win most of the game. So that's, that's the biggest challenge is looking across the field and saying they got what you got, or sometimes they got more than you got. Bill Dolman, his birthday is today. We will send a fire extinguisher to the Pride of Fairbury to blow those candles out on the cake. Maybe send him a package of Fairbury brand hot dogs while we're at it. Bill Dolman, next hour, Barry Switzer with us. Tale of our city, we're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmidt underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmidt. Back with you, Tower 2. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbal. We 
Welcome in the pride of Fairbury, NBC Sports, and birthday man, mattress actor, Jeep salesman, it's Bill Dolman. Billy D, how you feeling, man? Happy birthday. Oh, thank you very much. You know, the 35 is a, is a special time in everybody's life, and uh, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what the, the next two-thirds of my life uh, has to offer, but I'm uh, really excited about today, and it's... Uh, no better way to spend my birthday than to uh, <laughs> spend be with 10 you. minutes with me. <laughs> that sounded so hollow. I love it. Uh, Jeff tweets in, uh, as a Jeff, what is a Jeff? I tweeted the picture out that was on Facebook of your uh, near state championship team from Fairbury circa 82. Uh, yeah, that was the 82-83 season when we uh, got screwed out of this Class B state championship by having to play Elkhorn Mount Michael. We got to play three straight games at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. But anyway. Uh, We're not bitter. Then we beat Seward in the semifinals at a sold-out Pershing Auditorium, which the, the the game of the year in high school basketball in Nebraska is so big that they actually had to lock the doors because the place was too full. But anyway, uh, I barely remember those days. Um, no, that was great. What's it, Jeff? Yes. Geez, I haven't heard that question before. Um, you're familiar with uh, the movie Braveheart, no doubt, or William Wallace. Uh, I think the, the only thing Doherty. I remember. Whoa, 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 whoa. I'm just saying the Braveheart part was the waterfall scene. That's my favorite part of it. It's, it's, a, it's a good good, good scene. There's no question. Uh, the Maximus, uh, Gladiator. Right. Uh, now, we're not talking about the, the final scenes of either of those movies, but nevertheless, the full concept. Um, you know, Bond. Uh, you know, I, I think when you start to put all of those together, you start to understand what a Jeff truly is. It's not like Spartacus and leather, right? Cer- certainly more. Certainly, no, no, no. Certainly more of the Sean Connery, Roger Moore, and not and, and Daniel Craig, but certainly not the Timothy Dalton. Um, uh, and uh, who's the other guy? Uh, Pierce Brosnan. Right. No, 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 no. Okay. Uh, that's not us. It, more, more Sean Connery or, or more or Daniel Craig. That would be more in line with what a Bond. So it really, Jeff Bond, if you will. Gotcha. So you're high level. Yeah. That's that's that explains it a bit. So lots of yeah. Husker news. So you've been waiting all week to unleash uh, first. The the fact that you have nine starters back on defense and a bunch of six year dudes are coming back, what do you think of that for next year for Nebraska? And I'm sure you have a take on Wandale uh, leaving for Kentucky. Well, I, I I don't think well certainly it's disappointing to see Wandale Robinson uh, leave. He's he's been a great ambassador mm-hmm. for Nebraska football in the what two years that he was there. There's there's no question about that. Um, I, I truly believe there is some sincerity into the reason why he is going back home. Um, I read the, the tweet or the Instagram post or whatever it is about family. Mm-hmm. And, okay, you know, you, you, you did a great job while you were with us. Um, I don't think you can really fault the kid. And if, and if somebody's heart isn't necessarily in being a part of Nebraska football, I think I've always said, then, then, then find some place go, you know. Uh, better to do that than to be at Nebraska and continue to expect things as, as opposed to being able to give something. And, um, you know, if Wandale's heart's back home in Kentucky and with family, okay, we, we, 
We wish him well. Those guys who want to come back, I think those guys are pretty smart. Um, not everybody is going to play in the league, and I think there are a lot of athletes around the country who are foregoing the opportunity to play one more year of college football, which in all likelihood will be the high point of their athletic career, and, and, and opting to go to the NFL when the chances of, doing, of making it there are incredibly remote and limited. And it's been well documented over the last week that you know, the number of players that Alabama has had in their program for three or four years is pretty remarkable in this day and age, given how talented they all are, that you know, guys aren't jumping ship on Alabama. They're sticking around for three or four years, and they're enjoying their college opportunity. They're enjoying the winning. And they're knowing that if they, if they continue to develop and grow, that they're probably going to have a better chance at making it in the NFL as opposed to leaving after their second or third year or not taking the opportunity to mature a little bit. So those guys who are sticking around for a sixth year at Nebraska or wherever it is, I think that's fantastic because it's, it's not going to get much better than what you have where you are. And given the fact that I think we all believe that the world's going to have some sense of normalcy in terms of fans in the stands, go enjoy that year of experience mm. of, of being a Husker and having 95,000 people love you and, uh, you know, one of the great atmospheres. So I, I'm happy for those guys who are electing to stay. And I always think that the longer you stay in school and play, the better chances you are, uh, you have of maybe making it into the pros or at least getting a better shot than, you know, going out and thinking you're going to make it when you have no chance. Bill Dolman's with us. Hail Varsity Radio at Bill Dolman on Twitter, the pride of Fairbury, NBC Sports. Bill, uh, a thought with uh, Jonathan Rutledge and Coach Frost parting ways. Nebraska went the analyst route for special teams. It did not translate. Hard to coach when you can't coach. And does Nebraska assign it to someone on staff? Or do they see if there's a coaching opening, i.e. somebody on staff goes somewhere else and you go hire somebody that's – Specialty is special teams along with the position group. What's what's the 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 next step here? It's got to be emphasized and placed, and and really you know accepted as as a vital part of of winning football games because it's cost Nebraska. Yeah, I've always been amazed by the 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 specialty coach of the of, of special teams. Um, God love Dan Young. Right. But, you know, he and Milt were offensive line coaches. And, oh, by the way, Dan, uh, why don't you coach the kickers? We I mean, coach good ones, didn't he? You no, know, uh, Nebraska for a run there had, had the, was, was, you know, kicking you, if you will. <laughs> uh, but it always just kind of amazed me, like, you know, for so many years, that special team's job was basically who's the kicking coach? Uh, why don't you go do it, you know? Mm. So I understand it's an important phase of the game. And, you know, we, every, Every time the Dallas Cowboys were on from the what, mid-'80s to the early 2000s, we had to have those, those shots of Joe Avanzano, the special teams coach of the Dallas Cowboys, and they're always a little you know, uh, crazy on the sideline. And that's become the must-get must shot at a football game is to show that wacky, wild special teams coordinator. It's like, when did that become like the most integral part of the coaching staff? That and a strength coach, you know? Um, but back in the day, it was like, Dan, why don't you go do it? So I think when I saw this, this change being made, and I don't mean this in, in, in a disrespectful way, it seemed to me that, that Scott was picking off the low-hanging fruit. 
Okay. This is not a guy that's been with Scott, you know, for his you know travels at Oregon and down to Central Florida and that band that he got together that he brought to Nebraska. This was the guy who was brought in later, and it just seemed like, look, I need to make a change. I need to show that I can make a change. I make you know tough decisions, and this is the guy. Now, let's face it, there were some abysmal special teams plays, and I'm still seeing that Illinois punter roam around waywardly picking up a first down at Memorial Stadium. You know, I, I think that's it almost that, that like encapsulates the worst of 2020 right there is watching that guy pick up that first down, not being able to run a straight line and us not being able to catch him. Uh, so yeah, some changes needed to, needed to be made. There's no question about it. It's kind of salt in the wound when you read that Bill Snyder, you know, sort of, sort of talked Sean into taking the job at USC yeah. Um, but I like Bill Snyder. I think he's a wonderful gentleman, but uh, nevertheless, it's too bad. I just think it's, you know, Scott, people wanted Scott to make some changes. There's always some changes that they get made. And this is one where he's showing that I can do that. This is part of being a head coach. And we'll see how he organizes his staff after that. The birthday boy, Bill Dolman, with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And, Bill, for a second, I want you to take your sports broadcaster hat off and put on your Nebraska fan hat when you look at the rest of Scott Frost's staff. And I just want to ask you, do you think that more changes are needed on Scott Frost's staff this year, or do you think it's another year, wait and see, uh, and then maybe make some changes? You know, there are a lot of people who are probably going to say, what else? And I don't, I don't think that's going to be the case. I think if there's going to be uh, a, a change, which kind of seems like it might be a little bit late at this stage. Um, I think it's going to be somebody who makes a move and not Scott who makes the move. Sure. Um, and I think we've seen that, what, the last couple of years with, you know, guys who have, who have gone. And some of them have probably been mutual partings, but I don't think you're going to see Scott. Uh, I think this is the move that he wanted to make, needed to make, and made. And I, I would be surprised if he breaks up this staff. You know, they're always – there were always calls for Tom. Well, you got to, you know, you got to make some changes. That Charlie McBride's never going to work out. Worked out pretty well over time. You got Crazy Uncle George. Well, <laughs> Crazy Uncle George survived, you know, longer than the roaches and the crickets, you know. Um, and we all love Crazy Uncle George. There's no question about it. But you know, Tom was loyal to his guys, and that was always one of the hallmarks of Tom Stab was the loyalty. Yeah, guys move on. Kevin Steele moves on. You know, you always knew Kevin had that in him to you know, to, to spread his wings and fly and be a head coach and get to the NFL or do whatever. So it's not surprising that a guy like Kevin would make that move uh, when he did. Um, and maybe that'll, that'll, that'll come, but I don't think this, this staff is necessarily in a position for those guys to have, have, can say that they've established themselves and that they are ready to make that next step, you know. And sometimes there's no next step to make. Sometimes where you are is pretty good, and eventually it's going to get great. And I tend to believe that that's what Scott thinks. I don't know, you know, I haven't talked to Scott about this at, at all, but that's just my perspective, and I know my perspective is right. Bill Dolman. Bill, uh, about uh, four minutes here. Uh, I need to get a couple of topics tackled. Urban Meyer in Jacksonville, your reaction, will it work? And then James Harden to, to the Nets, because I know James one of your favorite people you covered. Oh. Well, for my, when I saw the Urban Meyer thing and I saw that percolating the last couple of uh, – a uh, couple of weeks was uh, I got to go someplace where I'm going to save a lot of money in taxes. <laughs> so I'm going to Florida like everybody else right now or Tennessee. So uh, good on Urban Meyer. That's a pretty nice little uh, chunk of change that he's going to get a save by going down there. 
Uh, you know, why not? Uh, I, I don't think everybody who goes to the NFL is destined to fail, and there are those that have certainly had great success. Um, Jimmy Johnson did okay after, you know, getting his ass kicked by Nebraska at Oklahoma State. Sure, he had some success against us at Miami, that, but that was a whole different ball game and a different era. But, you know, I think Urban Meyer, if, they, if he gets – he's certainly going to have a long enough uh, rope. There's no question about that. Mm-hmm. There's going to be no hot seat for Urban Meyer. Um, and if he gets, you know, Trevor uh, Lawrence, you know, great. I, I think it's good. I think it's good for him. I think it's good for Jacksonville because nobody cares about the Jaguars, and maybe they will now. Uh, James Harden going, leaving Houston, uh, that, you know, I, I was there when he, when he got off the plane – Mm-hmm. from Oklahoma City, and uh, saw plenty of James Harden to know that, if you know, he, he can be a great offensive player. But I, I'll tell you, Shaquille O'Neal, uh, with his assessment last night, was in about a minute and 15 seconds, was, was dead on. And only somebody like Sha- Shaquille O'Neal can say it. I know there have been other people at times locally uh, in Houston who have been critical of James, and James didn't like it, and James's people got a hold of people who got a hold of people who made sure that that was never said again. Um, but I don't think you can say that Shaquille O'Neal can What did Shaq say? I didn't see inside the NBA last night. But basically, you know, basically he said, uh, you know, look, he, he's, he can be a great player, but when it comes down to winning time, he has not performed. And he said, in, you know, in, in deciding games, I think he's one and four. Mm-hmm. And you know his shooting is not great in you know deciding games and winning time. His uh, his turnovers are high, and I can remember some you know games when I was down there at Houston watching him in a in a deciding game against Portland that was disastrous. You know where he really cost him that that game and ultimately that series. So you know is he is he, can he be a dynamic player? Sure, uh, but I don't think he's. He's going to go to, to Brooklyn and be the leader. I think you're going to see him under Katie's wing. And, uh, and Kyrie. I'm not sure. That, I mean, that's I'm my thing sure with Kyrie. Gonna, I'm not sure it's going to work. Yeah, I was going to say Kyrie, Katie, and James all want 40 shots a game, bro. <laughs> well, and, and Shaq said if, if they don't win it this year, he's a bust. Or yeah. maybe he said it's a bust. But uh, I don't I, – I just would never put him in the – I think he can be a great scorer, but I'm not sure he's a great winner. That's perfectly said. Bill, uh, what is the plan tonight for the, the birthday here? About 30 seconds. Well, I do know that there will be a, uh, a tribute to the uh, uh, great uh, Sir Arthur Guinness. Uh, I'll be you. spending a little, little bit of time with uh, his product. There's no question about that. Uh, I'm not sure if the folks from uh, Macanoodle will also be making a, a, a stop at my place, but I was thinking about perhaps spending it with my good friend uh, Marlon Brando and uh, watching a little Godfather if I don't uh, get out and hit the town. But uh, I can tell you that there will be a a tip of the Guinness tonight. Good for you, man. Good for you. Have a Guinness. Enjoy 35 again. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. And uh, get a steak and, and maybe some gummies. You'll you'll have a hell of a night. Um, <laughs> uh, that's probably more of Shaggy Jolly than mine. I got you. Bill Dolman, uh, Pride of Fairbury, NBC Sports. Bill, we'll check in next Friday. Have a great uh, birthday to you, brother, and, and we'll talk soon. Thanks for jumping on. All right. Thank you very much, and uh, go Big Red. All right. There he is, Pride of Fairbury, NBC Sports. Bill Dolman. I looked up his story about the uh, the Jeffs and fa- completely inaccurate. I know, completely inaccurate. Pretty good. He's going more. <laughs> we're all Bond. Uh, we're all Bond uh, special agents. Special coach Barry Switzer's next.
He's in his 30s, but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on Hail Varsity Radio. I got the body of a taut, pre-teen Swedish boy. Back with you, Tail City, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And uh, it's just a true pleasure to spend a few minutes with Hall of Fame football coach, uh, a national champion three times over, and a Super Bowl champion. I wanted to talk to a man who knows how to win at both levels. And we say hi to the great Barry Switzer. Coach, uh, happy Friday. Nice to spend a few minutes with you. How are you today? Chris, I'm doing fine. It's good to always talk with you guys. Uh, I was uh, actually out for dinner last night. Uh, uh, you know, I'm, as I told you before we started the show, I've tested negative every time, a bunch of tests, and I finally got my shot this past week, and I'll be waiting for uh, Moderna, and I'll be getting the, the final one at the end of the month. But uh, now I'm doing fine. I'm glad I got to this point, and uh, I'm worried about this stuff. And, and I hibernated pretty good. I, 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 I hung around here pretty pretty close to the house with my dogs and Becky and I. Mm-hmm. So we've... Uh, my age, I didn't want to take it on and fight it. I promise you. Well, but uh, I, well, I'm, uh, I'm pleased. Well, I'm, I'm glad you're doing well. And yeah, you just got to be absolutely so so cautious with this. And, and we're glad you're in good health. And right. uh, I'm I'm uh, you know you're you're my German Shepherd guy. <laughs> you bet. I uh, reached out to you about getting one, and, and they're they're awesome. And. Uh, Gertie's anxious. Yeah, Gertie's anxious to watch Nebraska and Oklahoma play football again this fall. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's hope so. September, you know, it's kind of neat. You know, what's neat about that too, Chris, is that we're going to unveil in our Heisman Park. We have you know the seven Heisman winners, and and we're going to unveil the Selman Brothers statue because uh, it's unique. You know, the Selman Brothers in the seventies, they when. When a Selman played at Oklahoma, we were fifty-four-three and one, yeah. and uh, two national championships. Uh, we were a dominant team in that period, and and uh, uh, I've always wanted that statue. I've, I've, uh, I've politicized for it. I've promoted it. I've uh, fought for it, and we finally we're going to get it, and we're going to place it by the stadium over near the Heisman Park, and. Uh, It'll be a, 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 a heroic statue, huge face with the three brothers uh, on, you know, obviously in their pads and all there. Their, their family's picking the picture out. They want to depict the, the brothers there lined up. But uh, anyway, I'm excited about that. Oh, at dinner last night, I was in a really interesting, Chris. A guy from the, lives in Norman says he is a Nebraska fan. He came over to me. He moved here several years ago, many years ago, and he was giving me a little trivia. I had never heard this. He told me before the Cornhuskers, uh, horn they were called the Bug Eaters. Yes. And I said, looked at him. I said, what the hell are you talking about? I've never heard that. <laughs> the Bug Eaters. What in the hell did you come up with a name like that? In what years? Well, I, I think I think it was maybe the late eighteen hundred, like the eighteen nineties to the early right, right, early right. early nineteens. You know, your buddy Mike Babcock's the man to ask about that uh, for sure. But um, yeah. But yeah, it, it was the bug eaters. I used to have a sweatshirt that said "bug eaters" uh, on it. Oh, you got to be kidding me! I didn't, had no idea. I, I'm prepared now to know that. I didn't. I thought I knew a lot about Nebraska history, you know, <laughs> certainly from Bob Devaney uh-huh. era on. But but uh, 
you know, and I knew a little bit before because we had some Oklahoma guys that were coaching up there, I think, at this, and back before then. But anyway, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's good to know that information. How's Nebraska going to be? They have a good year recruiting? Well, they've had a lot of really good years recruiting. Coach Frost and company do a wonderful job, Coach, of recruiting. The problem has been attrition, and you've had uh, with this transfer portal, and I know you've probably paid attention to it a little bit, where kids mm-hmm. have a, a, a free pass to go and and jump ship on a, on a, on a school or maybe get closer to home. That's That's been an issue with Nebraska especially some of the Florida talent uh, going back home. COVID's made it really difficult, uh, in, quite, in, in all honesty. That's the, the vibe I'm getting for kids to be that far away. And, right. and it was such a, a, a kind of a, a stop-and-start season, you know, with COVID. So uh, Nebraska's recruited well. They've developed well in some, some parts of the team. Others, you know, they're waiting on. And, you know, one thing that's bit Nebraska – has been turnovers, has been uh, quarterback play consistency. And, and man, how did you handle special teams, Coach? Because that's been a, just a, it's bit, it's bit Nebraska uh, more times than not. They're trying to figure out what to do with special teams right now. Well, it's always a very important phase of your game. You have to be really good in that. You need to be really and practice on it and spend more time on it. Probably people don't. People, someone asked me about the kicking game. I said we didn't kick very much, especially punt, and because uh, we moved the ball and got in four down zone, we either scoring touchdowns or kicking field goals, and and I really did one year. One year, our punter only punted twenty two times, and uh, so we were moving the ball. But the game has changed since then so much in the kicking game area. Uh, but it's a phase that definitely needs to be studied and worked on, and they do. In my my era, we didn't have to have a, a coach for the kicking game. Today, you, you have to. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's the one big change that I've seen is that you have a special teams coach that spends all his time on looking at what other people do and, and preparing his team to be able to uh, be prepared for what they do and to be expanding what they do in their kicking game. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, and take advantage of what's going on out there, what he sees and all, and, and uh, simulate it with his uh, uh, team he coaches. But, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a different game today. You know, we've always said the defense is first and the kicking game second and the offense was third in an era when I played. We were in the Neanderthal football era. <laughs> and that's why you you, you got to remember, you got to be Chris, and I don't know how old you are, but I'm an old guy. Mm-hmm. Osmer and I are the same age, so I – Tom might be a little bit older than me, but mm-hmm. I think we're the same year. But uh, I'm 83. I think he's 83. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, we were talking about this that one time that in our era, games were three to nothing, seven to nothing, fourteen to seven. You hardly saw anyone put half a hundred on anybody, and uh, it was uh, it was all because of uh, everyone ran the same basically split T offense and. Uh, uh, and and then you played kicking game. You quit kicked on third down. You played for field position, and uh, and if you scored a touchdown or kicked a field goal, you had a chance to win the ball game back then. You don't see scores like that anymore. And that was the Neanderthal era. There's no one specializing in one era. Of course, the game has changed. The pro- the athletes are so much better today. Coaches are so much better today. So the products coming out of high school 
are just uh, are just so much better and mm-hmm. bigger and stronger. I was in it. We we were in an era that remember what, there was no weight training. We, we, when we came to Oklahoma, there was no strength and conditioning program here. There's no strength and conditioning coach. They had a Nautilus machine down there, I think, and uh, they didn't have enough weight. We had enough guys that could do more than what was on the rack. And uh, I was always told when I played, if you lifted weights, you're going to lose your quickness and your speed, and you're going to become muscle bound, and, and you <laughs> and you could have no lose your movement, yeah. which was all crazy. Yeah. And uh, but that was the Neanderthal era, I call it, of coaching. And uh, so it's the game has gone so much further even since I've left it. It really has. Pro football. Uh, it's been influenced by the college game. The college game has given more to pro football than pro football has ever given to the college game. And you see so much of what we do in our game, played and done in college, I mean, pro football, and, uh, and the, the athletes being recruited at quarterback are definitely different. The old prototype being six foot four and straight drop, three step, four step, five step quarterbacks and stay in the pocket and throw the football. That's that game, that era is over with, and uh, and the college game gave it to them. So, you know, so, so much has changed, and uh, I still believe in the option game. I believe in the, a great. Uh, you take Tom Osborne's offense of the '90s. I really believe you could go win national championships doing that because he had a great north-south running game, uh, play-action passing game, and he added the option game to it. He was able to attack the perimeter of any defense running the option because he got quarterbacks who could do that, and they uh, worked it into their scheme. So uh, that's the one thing I didn't have in my option game. I had a great option game. I could attack the corner of any defense and, and move the ball, and we had great yardage production. We averaged 472 yards a game per game of rushing, and, you know, that'll never be broken because no one runs the ball like that anymore. <laughs> but uh, but the thing about it is is that uh, uh, I didn't have the north-south great rushing game Nebraska had because they were in the high offense. Yeah. And uh, they were able to attack you that way. And uh, On the perimeter, they ran the option, and uh, they uh, play-action passes were great. So, you know, it was a, a great offense he had in playbook, and I believe that playbook would work today, but no one – We'll do it, you know. But Barry's, anyway, uh, Barry Switzer's with us on Hale's Hale City Radio. Coach, didn't mean to interrupt. Wanted to get your thoughts on on Urban Meyer. Do you know Urban well? Have you spent any time around I've him? Met, I've been, I've met Urban a couple. I've been on a couple. You know, the Nike uh, uh, team. Where I yeah. was always on the Nike family, and the, and I always look forward to that in February, and March, going on the cruise or somewhere in the east or west around mm-hmm. the, the United States, Western Hemisphere with the Nike people. And they took about 30 of the top programs. In the, and, you know, we were the first school. OU was the first school everywhere in Nike uh, apparel. That's awesome. And Phil Knight will tell you that. We were, <laughs> we were the Oklahoma. I was the coach. And I, I, I went with Nike, and we became, we wore their apparel. And, uh, and but so when, when Joe Paterno, and when we both retired and were out of the game, they invited Joe, and then um, Joe passed. They invited mm-hmm. Sue and her daughters, and me and Becky. We were invited to go about five, six years in a row as uh, legendary coaches on the uh, the cruises with the Nike family. So I got to meet him then, uh, even though he wasn't coaching when I was coaching. I got the chance mm-hmm. to meet um, Urban there, and, then, and of course know all of, know his story at mm-hmm. all. You know, him taking the Jacksonville job, he's stepping into a, a situation. It's all nothing. Uh, the air is pointing up because there's nothing 
important now because that program's never been anywhere, mm-hmm. really. And so uh, if you're going to take a job, you take one that's been at the bottom and because uh, uh, everything's in front of you. More with Barry Switzer with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Coach's thoughts on uh, Urban Meyer, Jacksonville, college football. It was good to hear his thoughts on Nebraska. He's always interested in the Big Red. And um, that's going to be a ball game, man. Nebraska heading down to Norman this year. Can't wait to uh, load up Uncle Andy's RV. Head down there for Nebraska, Oklahoma. May even swing by Casa de Switzer. We'll have a few more thoughts from the coach as uh, that jump from college to the NFL, Urban Meyer's doing it. Switzer won, Jimmy Johnson, Pete Carroll. Where's Urban fall uh, with that task at hand down in Jacksonville? More with Switzer next. And now. And now. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you, Tail Var City Radio. A few more minutes with Barry Switzer and making that transition from college to the NFL, Urban Meyer in Jacksonville. What was your biggest challenge, A, with, with taking the Dallas job? Were you, were you excited for the opportunity or did you have to be talked into it? By well, Jerry? I want to tell you, I want to tell you, I want you to think about this, Chris. A lot of people don't think about it and, and, and think what I had the, uh, the challenge I took on. Hmm. I probably had the toughest situation of any coach because I didn't get to bring the staff. I didn't hire anybody. I didn't bring the people that believed in me and I believed in them to be able to come as a staff. I wasn't able to put a staff. I had to inherit a staff. I didn't know any of them. They didn't know me. I didn't know what their agendas, hidden agendas would be, mm-hmm. who's going to be loyal, who I can work with, who I can't work with. And I had to integrate myself in there and make it work. There's no need to change anything. They've won two straight Super Bowl. My job is to keep it in the middle of the road and keep it going down the highway, and Jerry and I discussed that. So I got to hire a couple of coaches along the way, but that's what I walked into. I'm, I, I'm the only one who got off the bus in Dallas. And uh, so my job was to keep keep it where it was, and uh, and it was a, it, it's totally different than any coach shaking. Urban's going to be able to put his own staff, his mm-hmm. own people around him. He's going to hire his own. Most coaches do that when they take a job. They have a free reign at that. But I didn't. Jerry Jones, I happened to have coached at Arkansas. I happened to have had a great relationship since he was a teenager. He hired me because – he knew I would be loyal to him, that I could work with him. And he knew that he had confidence in my abilities and talents to, to work with people. And uh, and that was my job, to keep it going. And, uh, and, and it wasn't coming there and, you know, to, to build something because they'd already built. Hell, they had my head, Troy Aikman, Emmett Smith, Michael Urban. They had, they had all the pieces put together pretty good. But let's continue. We, and you know what? People said, "Well, hell, you you, you you had it all there, you know. You, you you had Jimmy Johnson's team and all that." And I said, "Well, I could have lost, but yeah. I didn't. I won." <laughs> yeah, you got the Super Bowl. <laughs> that was my job, so I did my job. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I always said, I gave Jerry and Jimmy that credit. I always said it was Jerry and Jimmy's team they put together. And I said, "But I but I could have lost when they didn't." And I ended up having the best winning percentage of any co- coaches coach the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. And that's because those guys that put a good team together and I didn't screw it up, and I won with them. And probably should have won two Super Bowls. Probably once should have won it my first year because uh, we were down 21 to nothing in the first five minutes against San Francisco because of interceptions and fumbles and turnovers. And uh, 
first three possessions we had. But anyway, it's uh, it was a good experience. I liked it, uh, but it's totally different from any other coach's experience. No one did, had to do every what I had to do. Barry Switzer's never, with never. us on Hale Varsity. Coach, in your opinion, when college guys make the jump to the NFL, why doesn't it work out? And it's not just one thing, but what's what's a common reason a college guy can't get it done in the NFL? No, that's bullshit. Half the, half the damn coaches in uh, – uh, uh, well, more of those coaches in uh, pro football now play coached in college, and, mm-hmm. and uh, they, they 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 have they really have assistant coaches, uh, a lot of head coaches. They all coached in college, and they, I, I I laugh at that. I hoo hot to that stuff. Uh, college coaches, if you get hey, uh, you 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 get, you get in there, you all get to draft in the first and second, third round. Mm-hmm. They all have got talent. Every team has got talent. Uh, it all comes down to the quarterback, uh, his ability and talent, and then you got to stay healthy and not get people hurt. But uh, that I've never bought into that just because he's a college coach. Is it? You know, it's more. You know that the guys that took jobs. You know, Lou Holtz took a job at Jet. Who, who, hell, the Jets aren't winning today, are they? No, they're not. You know, <laughs> and they haven't. And so and I don't care if they hire a college coach or a, uh, a pro coach. It, it's been uh, the pro game all along. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, it's uh, it's uh, and we know he's a good coach. And there's been many of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, Mike Mike Zimmer. Uh, he I gave him his first job. Mike Zimmer was with me at. Uh, at uh, Dallas, uh, Dallas. Mm-hmm. yeah, I get hired. I hired. He's one of my hires. Only uh, I had about two or three hires. He was one of them. And Kelly went on into pro football, and he's done well. Uh, you know, hell, it's, uh, there's a lot of guys that done it. But uh, anyway, we'll we'll see. Urban has got, but like I said, if you're gonna take a job at, and you got the first pick, and you're, they've never had any success. Uh, you know, Jacksonville is a young team, and they haven't had. I mean, at uh, the eras played, mm-hmm. years played, they then uh, you know it's, it's nothing but uh, the era pointing up for him. Coach, uh, before we say goodbye, uh, my brother-in-law has got a big old RV, and we're taking it down with some Nebraska fans for the Oklahoma game. Would we be able to okay. buy? Would we be able to buy a case of Swin- uh, Switzer? Vineyard wine from you, can, my friend. I can arrange that. I can arrange that. Uh, you bet you I can. And I'll get you a half price. I, promise you. <laughs> I will. Yeah. I will make sure we stop by the old cabana yeah. and uh, and get some wine from you. Then that'd be great. Yeah, I was. I'm. I'm. Uh, you got to call me before you get here, where I can arrange it, and get it all done. But you know, Chris, uh, uh, I live 600 yards from the stadium. I live right here on campus, University. I've been here for. That's what years. that's uh, what I thought because I I stayed with uh, some relatives. Re- Leroy Blanks, uh, an old chemistry professor, down right. at uh, down at uh, Norman. So we stayed with him for all the Oklahoma Nebraska games. Cause, you know, every year we go right. down. So yeah, we were right. right by the stadium. Those those uh, those those homes. Yeah, yeah. So you're right by right. it. I live across the street from the tried out in the Pie Pie House, and uh, <laughs> I'm right here on campus. I live by the law school and the museum. So. Yeah, I walk my dogs all around the campus and over to the stadium and all. It's it's so I'm right here 
Right. It's always been home to me, and so that's good. Uh, we'll have to swing by yeah. and say hi again, Coach. You it bet. was it was you wonderful bet. to see you and uh, spend some time. It's great to talk some football with you. You bet. Always enjoy it, Chris. Take care, sir. That's Barry Switzer, man. Half a hundred. Uh, he is awesome, and he's got two uh, big old German shepherds, man. He loves and. It's good to hear his thoughts on on Urban and listen. He he was really good for Dallas, but he's the first to tell you your job with that Cowboy team that had already won two Super Bowls was not to screw it up. And they ran into some really good Niner teams, but he did get a Super Bowl. So pretty good perspective, and it, it makes sense, right? With what and where Urban landed, top pick, got control have $100 million of cap space, and we heard from Urban earlier some of the research he's doing. Time is ticking, so I think what we're going to do, Elijah, is we're going to have a rapid-fire Friday forecast slash steak and beer bet in about three minutes. Are, are you ready? This is a good slate of football. Do you, right. now, now my question is, do you think the two favorites, heavier favorites, We'll get your pick here in a minute, but do you think we get some blowouts this weekend, or do you think they're all close? I think we've got one. I think you and I are both like on the same page with the one, right? Are you you thinking Cleveland? It could be Browns Chiefs. I could also see Packers Rams delving into a blow. It depends if the Rams I, defense comes through. I think the most likely is probably Browns Chiefs to end blowout. One of the best tweets, and Coach Twit, Coach Switzer loves tweeting. Remember when Baker got arrested by the cops? He got chased oh, down. Yeah, that's hilarious. Yeah. Well, Switzer, like an hour after that, said, "Well, none of my quarterbacks would have been caught by the cops." <laughs> that's pretty. <laughs> my guys were way faster, Baker. We'll wind down a Friday next. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time and uh, an abbreviated version of the Friday forecast in the steak and the beer bet between Schmidt and Elijah. So let's get to it, and we will start with Rams-Packers. You know what? I'm in on the Rams. I know it's going to be Green Bay weather. Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay have a history of not being great when they're a favorite. I think they win, but I think the, the Rams cover. And I felt good if we can hit rewind about the Rams at least covering last weekend. I even hedged a little bit. I wouldn't be surprised if the Rams beat Seattle. I didn't have the guts to call it, but I kind of hedged that way. I'm not going to say the Rams beat Green Bay, but I think Green Bay fans sweats a little bit. And uh, I think uh, Aaron Donald and company will be good enough to, to make it close, keep it close. And can you get the run game going again if you're the Rams. I think uh, Green Bay hangs on here 28-24. That's my call. To, to me, this one comes down to uh, Green Bay's pass protection. They'd be able to keep uh, Aaron Donald and company off of Aaron Rodgers. If Aaron Rodgers has time in the pocket, I think Packers win this one big. If Aaron Rodgers and uh, his, his friends on the D-line can get some pressure, I think it's going to be a close one. 
I do think that this Green Bay offense is just too good this year, even though the Rams defense is elite. Uh, so give me Green Bay 35 and LA 17. Okay, you say blowout. Uh, Ravens, Bills, minus two and a half Buffalo. I think the Ravens do it again on the road. Give me the Ravens 24-21 over the Bills. Uh, I, I think this is the Bills' year to go give the Chiefs a shot in the AFC Championship game. I really do. Uh, I have them covering the spread barely. I have them winning by four, uh, 35-31. More uh, points. Bills over the Ravens. Okay. I, I think this one, uh, if the Ravens want to keep up, they have to score. Chiefs-Browns, I think Kansas City wins this thing. I think Cleveland probably covers the 10. Chiefs haven't been playing great ball, but they've still won. Uh, you know what? I think I think a, a 38-28 type ball game, but uh, make, we'll make that a 37-28. Just to barely get a cover here by Cleveland. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you on the Cleveland cover here. Uh, Ten points is a lot in the playoffs, uh, and I really think that this uh, this Bears team or this excuse me this Browns team thinks it's their year. I think they're going to hang tough. I think the Chiefs get it done in the fourth quarter and they get the win, 31-24. Tampa or New Orleans? What do you think here? Uh, I think Tampa. Third time is the charm for Levante and Sue and Tom Brady. Give me a narrow win here by Tampa over New Orleans, uh, 28-24. to 24. I got New Orleans taken down Tampa Bay, actually. Uh, Tampa Bay's defense has been awful uh, against Drew Brees and the Saints. They don't really know what to do. They can't really bring pressure. They can't uh, stay back. No matter what they do, it seems like Brees picks them apart. I think that story continues. Uh, but I still do think it's a close game about the number, which is like three and a half right now. Three. Um, which is uh, going to be New Orleans 27, Tampa Bay 24. Steak and beer. What are we doing? Let's do the Rams and Green Bay game. Okay, done. That's that's the first game tomorrow, yeah? It is. All right, there Let's it is. One. Steak and beer. So I got Green Bay to cover. You got Rams to cover? Absolutely. Yeah, okay. Seven points. <laughs> wow. It was that easy. It I was like that easy. I just think I think the, the, the Rams defense is... is too good. Too uh, good. You've got too much history with Green Bay bleeping the bed. And I love Green Bay. I love Aaron Rodgers. I want to see Green Bay in Kansas City. I think Aaron Rodgers is too good. We'll see. We'll see. Seven points. It should be fun. Weekend edition tomorrow morning. A busy Husker week. Get it caught up. Myself and Cranack and Elijah. Weekend edition of Hale Varsity. Have a great Friday. Thanks for tuning in with ESPN.